Hi, I'm Lauren Reich, eight-time All-American, and here's to the glory days. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to D3 Glory Days. We hope you're staying safe and getting some runs in. Before we jump into the episode description, we have a couple exciting announcements for you all. First off, D3 Glory Days has started a Strava running club. Be sure to join us there as we try to build a D3 community. We'll put a link in the show notes for you to join. So far, over 300 past, present, and future D3 runners have joined us in the Strava club, and we're excited to continue to grow the community. Along those lines, we're also excited to announce the inaugural D3 Glory Days virtual 5K road race on Thursday, May 7th. Head over to the Strava group to learn more. Please sign up, plan out a road loop, and relive your glory days with us. We'll bring you an exclusive interview with the top male and female finisher from the race. Thanks, Stu. Moving on for episode 14 of the podcast, we're excited to welcome eight-time All-American DePaul University alum and current Trinity University assistant coach, Lauren Reich Loeffler. The Arizona native topped out at 15 miles per week in high school before moving across the country to Greencastle, Indiana, and joining a cross-country squad that was shouldering the weight of a strong tradition of excellence. Lauren is a testament to the level of improvement that can happen in a Division III program and the epitome of a team player. Lauren was a senior my freshman year at DePauw, and watching her fourth-place finish at that cross-country national meet allowed me to dream of being there myself. It was fun to have Lauren on and get a chance to tell her how much her successful career inspired us as collegiate athletes. Enjoy the episode. As always, please take a moment afterwards to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss anything. Leave us a rating or a review. It helps us grow the podcast. Until next time, here's to the glory days. She's my all-time favorite, yeah. All right, welcome back to D3 Glory Days. That was Coach Corey, our coach, on Episode 5, talking about our next guest. I'm switching it up and starting things off today because we are joined with DePaw's greatest runner of all time. That's right, it's not Noah Drotti, it's Lauren Reich. (laughs) Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Stuart and Noah. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we are too. We're really excited to kind of go through this since Noah was a teammate of yours for a year and I knew you through the recruiting process. Uh, but yeah, it's great to have another DePaul alum on. How has everything been going with you in quarantine right now? Uh, good. It's, I wouldn't say quiet. It's fun to kind of have time um, over the spring season that I don't normally have as a coach. Uh, to kind of get into things like uh, we have some new baby chicks, uh, some I'm planting a vegetable garden, like the total quarantine package, if you want, also learn to knit. So uh, really went for it there. Um, but it's nice to have that time, but it's um, definitely hard being away from, you know, people I used to see every single day. Um, and my family's uh, from Arizona. So I miss a lot of them. Shout out to them. My mom's in healthcare and so is my sister-in-law. So. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you to them to, for everything they're doing right now. And you are a coach at Trinity U- University down in Texas, but we'll get into that. Um, before we do, um, 
as we talked about earlier off mic, you're a huge fan of the show, which we rarely get, but we're happy to have. So start us off as you know the drill. Take us through your high school career and how you ended up at DePaul University. Yeah, I uh, was a soccer player. I thought I was. Um, and when I was uh, joining high school, I uh, was pretty clumsy. And I actually wasn't going to join the cross-country team because I had broken my ankle in soccer over the summer and missed the training camp. So I didn't show up on the first day and because you had to do the training camp to, to be on the team. And uh, the coach came over to me and asked if I was still wanted to do cross, cross country. Um, and I said, well, I, sure, but I didn't think I was going to get to. Um, and then I had a really special high school coach take me under her wing. Um, she taught me how to do some form drills, taught me how to breathe, taught me how to just kind of get through a race. And we really focused on the 800 um, in high school and it was my baby. Like I thought that was the race I was gonna get recruited to do. Um, and I distinctly remember the start of the recruiting process. I had so many coaches reaching out to me about doing steeplechase and I had no idea what they were talking about. I, I thought they were joking. I'm like, I'm heard of the horse race, what is that? Um, and so getting to recruiting was weird because I really just I didn't understand why people couldn't see me as just the 800 runner um that's what I thought I was going to do um and even Corey had to kind of convince me at DePaul that uh I should probably do cross country um that was that was a big talk that we had was like your freshman year you should do cross country even if you don't love it and then you can get into um you know track really strong and we'll decide from there whether you should do it in the future after that um, I have two quick questions, if I can intervene. Yeah. Um, one, the coaches who were calling you, were they mostly Division three coaches, or did they, were, did they span different divisions? Uh, I would say they span divisions, but they weren't necessarily – I didn't have a focus on D1, D2, or D3. I think I was talking to Mesa Community College, like a bunch of really, really small schools that just – happened to reach out. I think I was in that cusp of like the beginning of some of the paid recruiting services, like right when NCSA was starting to go online, you had an online profile. But I mean, I was like the year of the start of Facebook-ish for DePaul. So it was like uh, very new. I remember paying for a recruiting service um, and De I don't think DePaul found me. I, I didn't find DePaul through that. So it was kind of funny that, um, you know, we had just started trying to find ways to reach out to coaches I wanted to talk to with the service and I didn't use it <laughs> um, in the way I thought it would. So yeah, it, could, it was different. Could you run through your PRs real quick just to give people an idea of the kind of recruit you were? Yeah, I was a 215, 800 runner. Um, I probably, I didn't hit that until the very end of my senior year. So I was in the like low 217s, low 218s. Took me forever. It felt like to break 220. Um, and so I really wasn't, I don't, I don't think I was recruited actively. I mean, I remember my recruiting visit to ASU, Arizona State. They were really sweet. They were like, hey, you know, you could walk on and see if you could keep improving. Um, and I remember that experience because it taught me that I really wanted a, a little bit more personal touch on where I was going and where I was growing. I thought I just needed a little more help to kind of make it to that next level um, that I thought I could. So 
I, I learned a lot from that visit and then it was unofficial. It was really small. Um, and they were just really nice to kind of give me the time of day. Cause I wasn't a state champ. I wasn't even top. I think by that point I wasn't even top three, um, in the state in the 800, the main race I was doing. So, um, but a fun fact, I did the four by eight, the four by four, the four by one and the 800, um, as lead leg in the four by one, uh, oh. both my junior and senior year, uh, of high school states. So, that was uh, that was quite the experience. All three relays. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. Um, in terms of DePaul, I think a lot of schools that like DePaul they mostly recruit regionally, and so like you know at DePaul we had a lot of Indiana kids, a lot of Illinois kids like Stu. Um, you came from much further away. Yeah, wow. I'm from Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my uh, grandparents and my uh, like extended families all live in the Midwest, either Iowa or Michigan. And so I was pretty set on searching in the Midwest. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was definitely set on like looking in the Midwest. I looked at a few California schools um, and then some in-state schools, but it was really Iowa, Indiana, and Arizona that I was looking at. There aren't any Division three schools in Arizona. So how did Division three get on your radar? Uh, it really, um, mostly I think because I wasn't looking radar specific, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, division specific. Uh, it kept me super open to the right fit over like, hey, this school's going to give me this much money. I was really worried about competing at a level that required me to perform at a certain time or a certain place at conference or region or I just didn't I didn't like what I was hearing from some of the division one schools on how to keep a scholarship um and I thought I would run better and be grow better uh, at my level um at the division three level I just didn't know that that's what division three was it was just working out that those coaches um that I was talking to I think I was talking to CMS um coach Goldhammer who I think just retired and uh I want to say that Cornell I, in Iowa, coach uh, was kind of down to Cornell and uh, DePauw uh, when I was looking at it um, at the last minute. So, but I never visited the Iowa school. So Corey Stoffergan was the head coach at the time at DePaul University and is still the head coach at DePaul University. He was Stu and I's coach. He's been on the podcast before. Um, what was your communication with him like during the recruiting process? Good. He was the first coach I felt like I could talk to on the phone really well, uh, to, um, I, he, he called me after a couple of races. Um, my good friend, uh, from high school, Emily Watts actually had found a paw first. Um, she kind of let me know that it was a school that would be worth looking at. Um, and after that, uh, you know, we got to talk about how coach Corey Stoffergren was calling us and it was really fun to actually get to see that. Um, he, once I, once I visit, I did visit and I remembered really liking it. And I remember my mom, uh, sat him down and asked him, you know, how long he was planning to stay at DePaul because he, she wasn't going to send her daughter across the country to have a coach leave, which she knew could happen. Um, so I was so embarrassed, but I was so happy she asked that question because I wanted to know, um, same thing I was coming, uh, a lot of the reasons I was coming was because I like Corey. Um, <laughs> And he was just so much fun to talk to. Um, and he was the first coach that didn't ask me if I was going to run the steeplechase uh, or if I was interested in it at all. He made no mention of it. Um, and I heard a rumor 
after I committed that my, my college or that Corey and my high school coach called each other before that conversation and said, no matter what you do, don't talk about the steeplechase. She will not come and run the steeplechase for you. Um, so, yeah. Let's go into, you know, getting to the paw then. You're coming into a program. They were just 17th, I think, the year before um, at the national meet. Leslie Dillon, who was another yeah. DePaul GOAT, uh, she oh. graduated. And so you kind of had to step into this team without her, but you guys still, you know, were a strong program. So kind of what was that transition like going from uh, not running cross country to then having to run cross country for a pretty good program? Yeah, I mean, I was excited about it. Uh, Corey told me that, um, you know, I needed to run it. And if you tell me to do it, typically as an athlete, I'm, I'm gold. I will follow it to a T, but I didn't always know what it took to push in the sport of cross country. So, um, you know, the team was really inviting and really supportive in terms of like, you know, what, what it was going to take to be a member of the team. I remember coming in and I was talking to some of the girls and they were like, man, what's your weekly mileage at? And I'm like, oh, I know the answer to this one. I just started counting uh, 15, 15 miles a week. And they were like, do you, it's for your long run? <laughs> like, I'm, I've, I've improved so much. I am at 15 miles a week. And they were, I think that first week on campus, I ran 40. I thought I was going to die. Um, and, you know, it, it really opened my eyes to how much, people were doing to work hard in that sport. Um, and I was really happy my high school coach kept me real low mileage. Like I loved the sport because of it. Um, and I think she knew exactly where I needed to be going into college, uh, just a little undertrained, which was, I was really happy about once, once I started getting used to what a daily run felt like and what, um, you know, workouts felt like that were longer than four by 400. Uh, it was really fun. It was exciting. Was there any amount of panic when, when you started realizing how much work was involved and, and the amount of mileage oh, yeah. that there was, or like the first time you got dragged out to the nature for five by mile or whatever, that were you, was there an amount of panic that set in? Yeah. The first time I heard how long we had to warm up uh, to the nature park, like how far yeah. it was <laughs> to the nature park. Um, I'm pretty sure I, I had to ask if they were serious. Um, Cause I saw a golf cart going out there and I thought, well, maybe they let, they do back and out, out and backs with the golf cart to take some of the <laughs> mileage kids out. It was like, now nah, you got to run. Um, and you know, it was exciting cause it was new. Um, and the girls were so supportive. Like they were like, Hey, come on, you got to get up here. You got to run. Um, cause I was honestly like, I got to put my, I got to put my time in. I'm going to start in the back because that's what you do when you're a freshman, right? Like that's the whole complex I had about cross country was just, you know, put in your time, see if you can make us like some sort of improvement and then be strong for track. Um, so it took a lot uh, of urging from coach, from Corey and from the, the women's team to kind of be like, Hey, like you were the third freshman in the time trial. Like you should kind of start moving up uh, to where there are different groups. You don't have to be the last person off the line every time. Um, and that was a big eye opener for me was like, Oh, I don't have to stay back here just cause I'm, I'm a freshman. I will always appreciate that. Um, cause it helped me learn early on that I had more to give. You know, moving to that season, you know, you've had, uh, some great people to look up to on the team and then you oh, yeah. go to your first conference meet. What happened <laughs> at your first conference meet? Oh, I want it. Oh, that was such a surprise. 
Um, yeah, that, that whole, I was terrified, uh, for about three days, like just on the bus, it was such an intense drive. It felt like, cause by that time I kind of started to figure out that I could run with some of the top girls on the team, but you know, we were going to, you know, I think it was at, I don't know if it was at Rhodes or if it was, uh, somewhere else. Um, but I remember thinking like, I really don't know if I still even get the whole 6k thing. And now I have to go race a championship version of this. Um, and we knew about the girls down at Trinity. We knew about Rhodes, like they, the girls, uh, the leadership we had on the team was really good at pointing out and picking out and saying, Hey, you need to make sure you're in front of these girls. We need to be aware of this team. Like they were super clear in communicating like what it was going to take to win as a team. Um, that was the main goal. And then anything on top of that was like icing on the cake. And I really didn't think that it was going to be an actual win at that point. Um, until I took off, uh, probably about, I don't even know if, if I remember the end of the race more clearly because Corey told me that I had 800 to go. Um, and he said he had to have been at least a mile out from the finish. And I, I finished the race and I asked him, I said, that had to have been the longest 800 I've ever run. Why did that feel so bad? Um, and he was like, oh yeah, I was definitely at least a mile out. I just, the girls were coming, the Trinity girls were coming. Um, you know, uh, Liz, Liz Eater and, and Emily, Emily Luffler at the time were, were coming. So you, ha you had to keep going. I had to tell you <laughs> whatever it took to get you to the line. I think you told the same trick with me a couple of times. Mm, yeah. I was just going to say that many yeah. times you have five minutes left of running. You have like two miles left. Yeah, <laughs> it worked. Well, and, and I had to, I, I had to tell Corey what I needed as an athlete. Um, my high school coach was very vocal. Um, and I don't think, I don't think most people are used to doing that for women's racing. They're, they're pretty, you know, polite and calm in terms of cheering and being a coach and loud and, um, I was very responsive too loud and, uh, not negative. I, I, Corey was never negative with me, but, um, I needed to be told what to do in a race a lot of times, um, at the beginning, especially. And he was really good. Once we had that conversation, he was not afraid to be like, you need to go, you need to stay. I need you here. It was great. I, I just, I needed some direction, um, cause I would get on autopilot and, uh, I, I don't race well by myself. Um, so I do really well in competition. I really, I, I'm not a time trailer. So, um, if you tell me to do something, I really, you know, busted my butt to make sure it happened. But sometimes if I didn't hear that, I wasn't always the first one to push the envelope, if that makes sense or push the pace. So, so at the conference meet, you kind of complete your transition from the, the timid freshman to like the performance leader of the team. How long did that take to set in and how was your role on the team just kind of socially and outside of running different from that point forward? Yeah, I, that's a great question. Um, it's so, a great podcast. <laughs> it is a great podcast. You guys are amazing. Um, the, so right after conference, you know, we, we got on the bus. I remember sitting with Celie and like playing on my phone and it was a long bus ride we were hopping off the bus and there was this little twinge in my knee and I was like, Oh, this is weird. What, what is this? Um, and I felt like I didn't really have time to process what had happened because as soon as the rest of the training week started, my, I think it was my right or my left knee actually was bothering me enough that we weren't really sure how regionals was going to go. Um, I knew that 
I felt the pressure of like having to perform at regionals because DePaul had such a tradition of making it to nationals as a team of placing high. And, um, you know, that I felt that pressure as soon as we got off that conference bus, but I, I was so distracted by trying to make that injury disappear and it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, I think I barely did the course preview, um, for regionals, uh, that, the the couple weeks later and it was really hilly. Everyone was so hyped that I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to balance all of that. I'm sure Taylor Penrod and Emily Mason and those girls were just like this poor freshman, like she's just freaking out. And like, no one knows really, you know, they, they knew that they knew the deal. They knew how to get the job done and just sit down and do the work and, and not worry about it. And I was all over the place. I'm sure I was not the best teammate at that point in time. I was trying to be, I just didn't know how to do it at that point. So I don't think I had enough time to really process what that meant. Um, winning conference. And then just, I just wanted to keep that tradition going. Um, and that was instilled from really early on. And I was just panicking that I had this, this knee injury that was bothering me. So, um, I, I think regional still went well. Um, we, we got that race through and over with, but it felt like it took such, such an emotional toll to stay at that level, even though I was distracted with this painful injury that, um, nationals was kind of a miss after that, but it was also very muddy and very interesting, uh, of a race. So people were losing shoes. It was, it was, it felt like they drained a lake and they made us race on it. Um, that was, that was quite an interesting national meet. So the girls were really patient with me. Um, the team was really patient with me. So that was, that was a really big learning experience. Um, I just don't think I took it as well as, um, it took me a long time to learn, uh, how to manage all that. You win your conference meet, you're the you yeah. know, number three at the national meet. How does that kind of change who you are, you know, viewing yourself as then as like a cross country runner now? Because you probably were thinking you're an 800 runner, but now you yeah. can actually do something in cross. Yeah, no, it, it suddenly changed my whole aspect on cross country. I mean, the team alone, if even if I hadn't had any success in cross country that season, the team alone made it feel um, like the sport was going to be so good for me, regardless of whether I improved anymore or regardless of whether it, uh, made my 800 time stronger. Uh, it, it was just such a fun season and the girls were so great that, um, I was sold after that and I was sold on, you know, what it was going to take to improve, um, and to be more committed to that part of running was the consistency was just running more than 15 miles a week, uh, Running in Arizona in the summer is not easy, um, and I was a very uh, I had I had to work uh, through the summers to make it back to DePaul uh, every semester. Um, so I worked over the winter breaks and I worked over the summer breaks. And I remember Corey asking me if it was really going to be beneficial to to you know continue working forty and fifty hour weeks over the summer um, on my feet. Um, and train and I didn't really get it until that junior year, um, summer, summer before junior year. So it, it took me a while to kind of figure out what it would take. I just thought I had to kind of keep grinding, but that summer, uh, that first, that first season in cross really sold me on the sport. I feel like I can ask you a more DePaul specific question because we, yeah. we went there. Um, you know, you have a great first cross country season 
and then a lot of stuff happens at the paw in the second semester you have you have winter term which for most people is you know the month of january on campus taking one class um but there's kind of a lifestyle that comes along with that um mm -hmm. it's not totally suitable for an athletic lifestyle um and then also yeah. there's fraternity and sorority rush in that second semester yep. and speaking from my perspective it, that was a kind of tough time for me at the paw and it made me question whether it was the school for me or not how did how did you deal with those kind of social upheavals in that first year of college yeah, I was pretty naive. Um, I was really excited about making new friends. Um, and I thought that's kind of what all of that was. And I'll say I love the support I got from my sorority after I um, entered one. But I, if I could go back and do it, it would probably change uh, my decision to join a sorority or not. Um, I, I couldn't be good to both the sport of cross country and track and be a good sorority member. Uh, and support them and their goals and their lifestyle uh, and do both at the same time. So yeah, that was a really tough time for me too. You know, I like it, uh, I was not focused. I was focused on trying to make it into a sorority and I was so focused on trying to make me friends that, um, and it was a big life change for me being from out of state and not knowing very many people. The team obviously helped. And I remember so many of the girls um, that were in and out of sororities. Some of them were not in sororities. Um, were so patient and so sweet and so kind in, um, you know, just saying it's not all about, you know, the next party or the next sorority event that you could go to. Like you, you can do more here than just that. And hearing that, even though it didn't resonate or didn't, I didn't change anything right away. Um, it took them saying something and Corey saying something about, you know, you have to, after, I won conference in cross country and then my main event, the 800, I don't even, I'm, I was, I don't think I even was in the top six in the SCAC my freshman year. I mean, I, it was like a total flip-flop of what I expected to happen in college. And so that really wasn't just that whole first semester, January term. It was that whole semester for me of kind of figuring out what I wanted from the sport still and how I could support um, you know, those passions that I had running so deeply, um, for the sport of track and cross country. Now those new, um, it, it took me that whole semester to kind of figure out that I really wanted to commit to it. Um, and I think having it kind of taken away from the, from the injury standpoint, like I didn't get to do it very much during January term. I was supposed to be cross training and winter was new. There were so many new things that I felt like this is so cool. I'm doing fine. And then to come to the conference track me, watch Emily Dom just crush everything and know that I was going to have to face her in cross country in the fall after she just did literally every event under the sun. Um, and one, I, I knew I was way far behind and I knew that that wasn't gonna, uh, it was a really hard decision for me to make, but the confidence Corey had in talking to me about it and saying, you know, we've had, girls way more talented than you come through the school way more talented um but you could do something with what you have if you are willing to take the chance and he was like but you're gonna have to work for it because you you don't have the same talent that that other girls who've come through before 
you have who have the 800 record, who have, you know, an All-American in cross country like Leslie Dillon did. Like I looked up to all of those girls and he was like, they, they made choices to make running a priority and you're going to have to as well if you want it. And he left it up to me and man, did I fall hard for both of those sports after that? I was, I was sold. It was, it was so easy to make that choice after I had time to process it. it just, I'm a slower learner than I think ever, than, than I wish I had been uh, <laughs> in that case. Yeah. That next year in cross your sophomore year, you were, you basically cut your place in half finishing 73rd but then you kind of went on a tear during track. Well, at least yeah. it, it was a slow start. The first <laughs> yeah. ever uh, DePaul track meet did the classic Corey Starfreak in double, mile mm. eight. Mm. And you went, do you remember your times? No. 5.20 and 2.23 was your yeah. first meet ever at, at DePaul University with track. <sighs> yep. But well, to jump forward a bit, where did the season end? Yeah, the season ended at Nationals, which was totally mind-boggling to me. Um, I you were what place? Was I fifth? Yeah. Fifth? Sixth? Fifth? Fifth. fifth. The fifth, first one was number five, yeah. Um, yeah, that was, that, was a, that was an experience. I mean, cross-country gave me a lot of confidence, but I remember how terrible I felt at the end of that national cross-country meet because I, I thought I was going to do way better. I thought, oh man, this is, this is all clicking. You know, running's not the type of sport where if you just want it bad enough, it, it happens. You have to put in the work to do it. Um, and, and that cross season really taught me that. Um, I focused so much more during the track season. Um, yeah, slow start is the name of my ball game in college. Uh, and throughout each season was like, kind of like, oh, is this season going to amount to anything? Oh, we don't really know. And indoor was really hard for me. I didn't expect to run an indoor season. I just didn't know it existed. Like I said, I can't stress how naive I was about the sport. Um, I just didn't know. And I was the oldest of three kids and no one had done a sport in college. So it was just like, who, who knows what to do? Um, and yeah, that the getting to nationals was so exciting. And I felt like I had so much support to get there that, um, the actual meet itself just felt like a whole dream. Um, I remember the, the meet, uh, I think that qualified me to get to nationals or got me on the list uh, about three or four weeks out, like one of the last chance qualifiers, I raced against the girl we thought was gonna win nationals. And you know she was probably just trying to feel out her kick, trying to feel out stuff and really not pushing it that much, but racing in the same meet as her and racing in the same heat was just eye-opening to me and so when we got to nationals and we had to do prelims I was like oh I love any type of round situation I love feeling stronger um, as we go that's how I felt in almost everything we did if the race was longer I was starting to realize I had more in the tank so if there was a round it was like great if there was prelims and finals I felt like if I could just make it to finals I could do it um, and it was awesome. I, I absolutely loved it. I was racing those girls. I didn't think I should be there with them, but I was so pumped that, um, that it was actually happening and that I felt competitive, uh, with girls that were really good. One thing I, I love about hosting this podcast is that I think something unique to a lot of division three runners is they have these moments of kind of potential defining moments in college instead of in high school and it 
I mean, in your case, that it was that track meet where you went on and, and defied your expectations, finishing so high up at nationals and probably even getting the nationals in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you had that, that moment of wow, like, wow, this is how good I can be. This is how competitive I can be in the event that I love moving forward. How did that change your perspective and your approach to the next, you know, the next year? Yeah, I remember after that meet, um, I had, we had gone to the uh, national banquet and they gave out these little awards to a coach, uh, coach, regional coach of the year, I think. Um, and I was like, man, coach, why didn't, why didn't you get that? Why, why isn't that? What, do you have one of those? Like what, tell me about this award. Like, why aren't you up there? I want to get you up there. Um, you put in so much work to even get me to this point. Like, what, what is that? And he was like, oh, that's regional coach of the year award. You know, I've, I don't think I've ever had one or maybe he did in on the men's side. I can't remember, but I think at that point he hadn't gotten one. And uh, I was like, man, if I run a little bit better, I wonder if we could get him one for cross country or I wonder if we could get him one for track. And honestly, if it, it, I was so much more motivated for people outside of, of, of my little personal running brain bubble. Um, if you told me the team needed it to happen, that was, that was how you're going to get the best out of me. And, um, thinking about getting that, that award for Corey or thinking about getting the team at a higher place at nationals was really motivational. Um, so that it helped me that that national meet really helped me get the confidence personally that I could be a big part of that. Um, but it was really eye opening to see that there were other levels that you could, kind of help other people get recognition for what they're doing too. Um, and I felt like I owed Corey so much, even at that point, um, just with his patience and with how kind he was in getting me across the States and making sure I was okay. And my mom was happy, um, that it was, it was really special to start thinking about, you know, how good can I get so that people like that get recognition? Um, because they definitely deserve it. And, um, it like blew my mind that he wasn't up there. I'm like, you're, you're like a God, like you should be up, up at this. (laughs) Like, why, why aren't you the coach getting the award? What, how can I, how can I fix that? Um, so I think it was either after that meet or after the next national cross country meet that I was like, we're, we're going to get you one of those little, little awards. We're going to figure out a way to get you up there as a coach. Um, I think we did it for indoor and outdoor track my senior year. So I was pretty pumped about that. You keep mentioning Corey and, and the team. You know, you're part of a program that mm-hmm. by the time you finished, you know, you guys won seven straight conference titles, uh, which is one of the longer streaks that DePaz had. You know, and talking about getting Corey up there on the on the banquet uh, stage, you know, how much of that impacted, you know, your team coming together for that conference meet and gearing up for that and you know, how that impact your final two years of cross country as well? Yeah, I mean, I had so many different experiences. Um, I remember, you know, as a, as a top girl on the team, you automatically start getting the opportunities to start leading things, even though you're not a captain, even though you're not necessarily, um, super vocal. Um, I think I was more of a, I was trying to be more of a lead by example, even if I wasn't a vocal member of the team. Um, and I was speaking with my races and stuff like that, but, uh, yeah, once we, you know, the, the way that the team had kind of instilled that tradition of, um, you know, this is what we do to get to that next level each year and to try to keep improving. Um, there was so much leadership with that the first two years of, of my career there that um, by the time I got to be a junior and a senior, it felt really natural to kind of like just reiterating those same things. Um, 
but there were definitely other captains on the team that did a really good job of making sure that people were all feeling involved in that. Um, I will say that I think one of my strengths was that I took my easy run so easy that I often tried to run with a lot of different people on the team. Um, and I really held the belief that like, no matter what position the girl was on the team, we were going to learn something from her and she was going to make an impact on the team. Um, and so having that outlook, uh, gave me the chance to kind of mix with all the different groups and there weren't really clicks, but the different groups and different types of people that were on the team. Um, I really enjoyed that part and not really belonging to like just one. Um, and I remember really enjoying that part and being like, Hey, this is how we get the message across. It can't just come from one speech, um, you know, out of the track in front of the Almo or one, you know, one long run in the park. Like it's got to come from a consistent, knowledge that this is what our goals are at the end of the season and that we have to make decisions throughout the year to make that happen. Um, you know, January term isn't the only hard, hard part of the semester. Um, a lot of convincing people to be aggressive about their goals in cross country was making sure they put in the work over the summer and making sure they stayed focused in the fall. Cause there's a lot of events that happen on campus. It's a great, thing when you're in the middle of nowhere because there's lots of stuff to do but it's really hard sometimes um to make all that balance uh with your goals as a runner and as a team like having an off day at conference means can make a difference i think when you're we only one on the women's side by one or two points and like that's one person switching places so it was it was really trying to channel that um and i felt like that went really well uh the years i was there in prior yeah that's that's mox the cat Sorry. We love having extra guests on the, on the pod. <laughs> Welcome, Kat. You talk about it's not just one speech. It's not just, you know, one run in the nature park. You know, what was your team dialogue like? Did you guys do a lot of team dinners or was this like, was it a constant like talking about goals and what we can do or was it just kind of show up at practice and get the work done? No, I definitely think by the time we got to practice, it was like, hey, we know what we need to get done. Um, but when we were outside of practice, it was, it was the team dinners where you might not have been talking about the goal specifically. You were talking more about like how your week was going. And if you were struggling, someone was totally willing to jump in and be like, Hey, like, <laughs> let me, let me help you get through your, uh, statistics homework. Cause you're struggling with that. Or, Hey, let me, uh, like, it was just a, such a, such a community. It felt like every, like you knew where you needed to go after practice. It was, um, to go eat dinner with the team and it was to go ice bath and it was to go hang out with everyone. It wasn't just that, um, everyone was talking about goals constantly. Cause I think I probably would have been really felt the pressure with that more. Um, it was just a natural, uh, conversation about how life was going. I just remember talking so much on the long runs about things that didn't seem to have anything to do, uh, about every run, um, about our goals, but it was just, making sure everyone was okay, I guess, um, was, was the big deal about that. And like, it didn't all have to make sense with the goals. It, it just, it, it was making sure everyone was okay. And that led to those good goals happening later too. You were kind of in a unique position as not just the top runner on the team, but emerging as one of the best runners at the division three level in the nation of having to balance goals for the team, but also, pretty big individual goals. I mean, you had to have been thinking individual titles at that point. 
Um, how did you compartmentalize the two things? Yeah, uh, I think it was hard to do. Um, I don't think I always executed what I was supposed to in that aspect. Um, I can remember multiple conversations about what the team goals were and what I needed to do to make that happen. And oddly enough, I felt like I always was able to kind of do that in cross country really well. Um, it just made sense. Like I knew where I needed to be. I knew who I needed to beat. When it came to track, I always got so nervous before that 800. It was the middle race. I knew I was going to have a 1500 before it, um, in, especially at conference um, and possibly either the four by four or the 5k. I did both, uh, not in the same meet, but I did the 5k once and I did the four by four once or twice. Um, knowing that I had another race, I was always so nervous for that 800. And I know a few times I got out a little quick or I finished or uh, I, I took the race out a little too hard in the middle um, to kind of make sure I was okay. <laughs> and I should have been pulling some of my teammates along. And I still remember those conversations with Corey about how he was like, man, you know, we didn't win the conference meet in track as an, when I was an athlete there, like I, that was always something that kind of eluded me. And I, I think I was able to put a good effort out there to make it happen. Um, you know, running a lot of events or running events to make sure that I was going to win or going to place really well. But yeah, it was really hard to balance that. Um, like I definitely wanted to win conference cross country after I won it my freshman year and placing second twice was really hard. Um, I was not frustrated, but I was feeling it, um, by the time I got to senior year and, you know, I made it really clear to Corey. I was like, I, I don't want to tempo this. I don't want to, you know, wait for the team. The team is, has got a pack now. We've kind of made that happen. I think they can handle it. I'm going to go. <laughs> and, um, it was really nice to finally kind of bookend that. And obviously I had, I had great competition, um, both the years I got second. So there was no part of that that was like, oh, if I hadn't have been thinking about team goals, I would have won. There's, it, it was great competition. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely hard to balance. Um, and it, it was definitely a learning process. Uh, and I oddly think I did it better in, yes. <laughs> yes, 2009. Oh God, that was so long ago. I'm, I'm holding up the uh, conference meet championship shirt for, the, for those at home on our, uh, on our video chat. Yep, yeah. it looks so good. Uh, staying on individually, you know, what was your mindset going in to the national meet? Yeah, I was thinking about um, all the times Corey brought up Leslie Dillon and how well she ran her senior year. I think it was her senior year, um, her national meet, and how you know you have to get out, you have to be able to um, balance that line of pushing really well. Um, and kind of being in a red line earlier than you want in the race, but knowing that you can finish. And I remember him saying that, you know, they were really surprised uh, when I was, I don't know, in the top like five or six, that first group that was up there. Um, and I was surprising myself at that point. Um, and the thing that scared me the most was before that first mile hit, uh, I think the eventual winner, Wendy Pavlis, uh, had taken off and the girls I knew that were supposed to win, uh, I think it was Marie Borner and Ayla Mitchell, uh, they didn't go with her. And I felt so good at that point, and I wanted to go catch Wendy Pavlis. I'm like, man, what, what are these girls doing? Why, why aren't they going with her? Um, and they just thought they were going to catch her, and we never did. Um, but I'm so glad I didn't go because I was already uh, 
about to PR on the 5K, didn't know I was going to, um, was just, I, I felt so good that whole race um, until about the last maybe like, I want to say 50 meters. Uh, I got, I got passed in that last little bit from, so from third to fourth, but, uh, I, at that point, honestly, I was just trying to stay upright. Like I knew I had kind of balanced, like pushing that line so far that I, I finally felt like I understood how to run cross country in that one race. Felt like it took me all four years to kind of figure that out. And I felt like I put it all out there. I couldn't have done, uh, much better in that race. And that was really exciting to kind of feel that as your last race. Um, but going into it, I remember Corey saying, you have to be up there. Um, you can't sit and move up. I was really cautious runner. I really liked to sit way back and at least till halfway in a race, especially cross country and just kind of wind my way through people and feel that motivation and feel that energy of passing people that always got me really fired up. Um, but he was like to do some of the goals you want to do. You can't be that far back. You're just going to waste too much energy. Um, so trusting him on that and trusting, uh, the work we'd done to do that was really important going into that race. This isn't so much a question, but maybe something that I've just felt like I always wanted to say to you. Um, I was at, I was at that meet, um, your senior year was my freshman year and, and some of the guys team drove out to watch you run. And, and really that whole season had been like kind of a catastrophic disappointment to the men's team. Like we just weren't putting it together. And at the same time, we were kind of operating, I'll say, in the shadow of the women's team a little bit, just like, you know, you guys were the chosen ones with your streak of national meets. At that point, the men's team hadn't qualified since 2006. Um, But and I was committed to the team, but I didn't really get it until we went to that national meet and I saw what a national meet was about. And I saw you guys in the Tiger Strides and you specifically just crushing it on the front. And uh and I still remember it. And I, I just remember leaving that day being like, you know, what Lauren just did is awesome. And like, I want to be that athlete for DePaul too. Um, so that's not a question, but you, you were a huge motivator for me. And that was kind of, that was kind of the moment. No, I'm glad someone else felt that. Cause that, that was a feeling. I mean, I always thought I would have that moment in track uh, going into college. And it was so crazy to me that looking back, that was, I think one of my best races and it felt so badass. I mean, that was running with those girls and people that I thought I would never even dream of being next to and actually feeling good, like leaving them in a race. I did get passed back, but like knowing that I had the confidence to kind of go out there and run with those girls and then be a contender. I mean, it, it, yeah, it felt so different than the times before. And I, I know that had to have been hard. Um, cause team wise, that's kind of why I chose to Paul was cause I was looking for that tradition of like, Hey, we got to keep this rolling. I needed that pressure to kind of keep going. And it's so hard to get through that feeling when you feel like the team didn't reach its potential. Um, and I still feel like we could have placed better, um, uh, nationally as a team, uh, I know we barely, I think we got a at large bid that year and that was even kind of scary. Like this, this isn't how we do it. Like we, we don't, we don't have to wait and hope that we get an at large bid. Like we know we're going to nationals each year. So that was scary on the team side. Um, and I definitely, I didn't win region. So I felt like part of that was on me. Um, even though I don't think points wise that would have made the difference, but, 
Um, I thought that like, maybe I'd let the team down energy wise, like, cause I didn't win. Um, so I was kind of nervous about that going into it. And so I knew I had to go out there and just kind of crush whatever numbers we could to get as high in that place, uh, at nationals. So I'm glad someone else felt like that was awesome. Cause that was, that was a totally different experience for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that, that year, you know, no one knew it at the time, but that would kind of end the streak of the DePaul women at nationals because the next year there was only one athlete from DePaul to make nationals. And, uh, well, that was, that was me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, I, I definitely remember being there that day and being like, you know, this is awesome. Yeah. I want to be Lauren. <laughs> um, and I felt the buzz that day, but speaking of buzz, you also had a unique experience of competing in a national meet at DePaul that indoor season. Oh man, that, I felt like, you know, cross country is my best race. My most favorite memory, my most favorite meet was definitely that, that hosting nationals. Um, and I remember when Corey told me he was going to put the bid in and host, and he was like, you know, we really got to take this seriously because it's going to be your senior year. And I was like, okay. And I think it was maybe two months later, I came back and I said, Hey, I, I have a free January term, um, you know, cause I had done all three of mine on campus and I did not study abroad. I came up to him and I said, I'm going to go on this Hawaii trip for about two and a half, three weeks in January term. And he's like, you, I don't, that's not a good idea. And I was like, what do you mean? This is staying a whole month in January in Indiana when it's cold and I can only run on the indoor track. Like this is going to be great. And he's like, there's no way you're going to get the work done that we need you to get done. Uh, and he was very supportive after I was like, no, I really need to do this. I'm not going abroad. I'm not doing anything like that because I couldn't pick a season to leave. So I need this. And I think, uh, I got back, uh, at the end of January, I had one workout and then I went to, uh, I think it was IU and I broke the school record in the indoor mile. And I was like, he goes, you should have gone abroad way earlier, but you should have gone to Hawaii a whole lot sooner than this. We'll send you there anytime you want. Um, so it was really satisfying to like, know that I still got in the work I needed to. I had grown and I understand why if it was freshman, freshman me, I would have been worried too. Um, but I had grown so much and I knew I could get the work done. Um, and it felt so good to come back and just kind of knock that season out of the park. I'm still, oh man, second in the mile was not what I wanted. That was, we wanted it so bad. Um, and I remember being so nervous for the prelims because I thought, man, I just got to make sure I make it. I had had a experience in indoor nationals where I didn't make the final in the, the indoor mile the year prior. And that was one of the worst feelings I've ever had. Um, and so I was like, man, I just got to make it. And I totally forgot about the whole final race being important. It was just not, my brain wasn't there. I was probably thinking about the 800 at some point too, because he was letting me race the, the double of the, the mile and the 800. And I, I just love that race so much. I could not get my head around focusing on that mile as much as I tried. And so in second was not, not what we had aimed for that day. I had thought I for sure could get him a national championship that year. Um, it was so close, so close. Yeah, I mean, 
obviously to us, you finishing second was extremely special, though we know you won. It was. It. Um, that, that was just such a cool atmosphere because it's at home. You had yep. qualified, and Chris Dietrich had also yes. qualified in the eight. Um, he was a great story. He was an awesome high school athlete, but then really stalled out at DePauw until he finally woke up his senior year. Um, did you guys develop any kind of camaraderie as the two qualifiers for that meet? Yeah, I think I think I tried to help uh, with some of the nerves that come with getting to a national meet for the first time. Um, honestly, I think the team was so supportive of us there that um, I didn't have to do a whole lot with that. It was kind of like a special bond just being like, hey, we're the two, two peeps at, at nationals and we're at home, so we've got the home crowd advantage. Um, and that really helped out a lot. But yeah, I, Chris was always awesome. He, he had a level of cool that I don't think I could ever attain, even if I had won a national meet. Uh, he just had this, this air that like a confidence that I wish I had been able to convey before I had any success or even before I had figured out what I could do. Um, because I think it, it gives you some armor when you go into meets like that. Um, I, I definitely think it helps a lot. It's one of the reasons I raced in shades a lot, like actual running sunglasses. I just needed something to kind of portray that I was harder core than I was. Um, and, and that was really cool to see him actually kind of, um, you know, learn to do that, even though it was really hard to do when you're at your first meet, first national meet. So, but it was awesome to see him compete. The crowd was awesome. The stuff that everyone did to make that meet happen was incredible. Yeah, I came down as a recruit and watched that meet happen. Um, actually, left that day and got a speeding ticket, but that's a different story. <sighs> um, but no, it was really cool to kind of see you do that. Um, I think I say for all of us to watch you do the mile and the eight. You kind of alluded to it that you couldn't give up your 800. Um, yeah. So what went into the decision then? I know you said, Corey, let you double, but what mm -hmm. went into it, you know, not doing just the eight or just the mile? Oh, yeah. No, I, as much as I love the 800, I knew that I couldn't. I mean, the chance of me winning a, a national championship in the 800 was like zero. Um, I, I, I was not a first off the line 800 runner. I was like the come from behind train. So the chances of me doing well in that event um, – were low so the the mile was always the goal I and 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 I always knew that um but I talked him into let me do the mile I think or the 800 double I thought I could do it you know I felt I always felt stronger the more races I had and the more rounds we had it felt like the more races um I had the opportunity to run the better I felt for those finals so I was pumped about that um and I thought I could still do some damage in the 800 even after a mile um and prelims the day before so I was just, I was really confident in that place, just not uh, as focused as I had hoped to be in that mile race. How long did it take you to recover from indoor nationals? I mean, it must have been a pretty big emotional overload racing at home, having success, but not reaching your ultimate goal. Did you need time to reset after that? Yeah, and they, they uh, the coaches reset me pretty hard. They, they uh, I think we went straight to spring break after uh, I think it was maybe indoor nationals, and then we had spring break. So I kind of got a really good chance to take a break um, and recover just body-wise. I think I, I still – oh, maybe it was two weeks after nationals we had spring break. Um, but they 
I got the chance to recoup. I watched the team go out and compete at Rose Holman um, the week before we left for spring break. I remember that. Um, and it was really hard not to be in that meet. Um, so I knew I, was, I knew I still had the fire to kind of like keep going through outdoor. Um, mentally, it was hard, but it just made me even more fired up to go for outdoor. Um, but they really uh, got me because uh, they the next race I did, I think, was a 15, uh, no, a 5K. I did a 5K. It was my first, like, only race that I'm doing 5K in college. So I, I had done the 5K at, at conference after I did the 15 and the 8, but this was the first one, and I really did not want to do it. I will not lie. That was such a struggle. And then I was, like, 10 seconds away from the school record. And I was like, dang it, why did that feel so good? Um, I think I can get that record, um, that school record. And that means I'm going to have to run this race again. And I was terrified of that, even though cross went so well. I just, I couldn't believe that I was going to run another 5K in outdoor. I thought it was going to be the 15-8, um, really hitting that home senior year and everything like that. And I loved that 5k so much that I thought, okay, this, this might, I wish maybe I had done a few more of these. I won't say that while I'm in school, I'll say that, uh, sometime later in a really awesome podcast, uh, <laughs> later. Uh, so no one could quote me on that, but yeah, I, I loved it. I couldn't believe I loved it. You, uh, you alluded to your triple at the conference meet the SCAC. Um, I think we were in, we flew to Texas, um, for that with, I mean that the and you won them all, correct? You won the five yeah. K too. Yeah. So you three races, three wins. I remember looking back at my senior year, I only did one race because I was worried about how I'd feel at nationals. Um, you really put the team on your back though. Was that an easy decision? Yeah. Yeah, no, that that was because every year we we felt like we had the chance to get a a conference title um and so that was an easy call it didn't mean that it was easier for me to run it but it was uh definitely something I wanted to do um and I thought you know I I could do it and still come back for a good national meet um I just we we talked about it, it felt like we kind of had to keep racing after that and I did have a few like this is kind of not good races after the conference meet um, it was, it was hard to kind of feel like I was going backwards in the 1500 for a minute there. Um, it, 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 I had a great race and then I had a bad race and then, so it, it was kind of touch and go there for a little bit after conference. Um, but I'm so glad I did it. Uh, that was, that was a really fun meet and it was fun to feel like we were kind of pushing towards that, that goal of winning conference as a team. You know, jumping towards that outdoor national meet, you get redemption, or at least you qualify for the 1500 and hopefully redeem yourself from that indoor second place. I know the yeah. story well, Corey's told it yeah. multiple times, but take us through that last hundred meters of your 1500. Yeah, I, by that point, I didn't know it was happening. Uh, I, I really had felt good um, until about 300 to go. And I remember thinking, man, I am on, this is where I need to be. I can't wait to finish down this home stretch. I think I'm going to hit a gear I've never hit before. And then I blinked uh, on that 300 back stretch, and the girl who ended up winning was gone. I did not, I could not see her. She was gone. Um, and then I thought, oh, I might be in trouble. Um, and that's when uh, we kind of hit that uh, 200 mark. And I thought, okay, well, I think you might have put enough space um, between you and the, the rest of the group that you might be able to finish 
well still, maybe not where you wanted to be, but at least get points for the team. Because we had two other girls um, at nationals that year, so we were trying to place as a team, and I knew I needed to finish. Uh, the last 100, I don't really remember. Um, I remember thinking, where is the line? And then not knowing that I had fallen. Um, and you can, I still have the spikes from that meet and there's a huge drag mark on my left foot where you can see I just, it, my foot didn't pick up and I, I totally bombed and just tackled the line without falling over it. Um, so I think I was about 10, 10 steps back and uh, went down hard, thought I got up so fast. Once I realized what had happened, I thought I had gotten up so fast um, and I did not. I went from second to ninth. Uh, but, you know, Corey and I had talked about, um, you know, going for it and, and being in the race, unlike in the indoor mile. Um, and I was so proud of that. I mean, I really pushed where I didn't realize that the girl who won was going to go on to run a 206 off of a double uh, in at the national meet. So, like, that kind of finishing speed I didn't have, that kind of finishing speed. I was out of my league in that last 100. Um but it was really fun still. I just hated the feeling of like walking up and knowing I didn't get those points for the team. Um, and he did really let me go for it on the individual level there without like, even though we had a team there, he really let me push um, for that individual title and it just didn't work out. And that's kind of how running is. So, and I got redemption in the 5k. So. Yeah. Talk about the 5k. Yeah, they, they gave me about an hour to kind of uh, be upset about the 1500 and be sad. Uh, and then I had a couple of really supportive coaches that came up to me, um, both on DePauw and outside of DePauw. Um, and they were like, hey, you, you can do this. Like, you just need to get on the line and you'll be fine. Um, and I'm pretty sure the first mile of that 5K, I was a drama queen in my head. Uh, saying how this was stupid. I couldn't believe that I put myself out here again when I had already fallen once. Um, and after that first mile, that's always my favorite spot in the 5Ks. After that first mile, I feel so much better. Um, I don't know why, but that first mile just sucks uh, for me in, in the 5K. And as soon as I hit the second mile, I was like, oh, actually, I need to start racing now. Um, and it felt really great. Uh, and then a mile to go, I thought, you know what, you are going to run out of time to get an All-American. And I was so frustrated that I just poured it on whatever I had left. And I was so happy that I got to place and do all. So I still think I could have executed that race better. Once I figured out how far ahead the uh, first place girl was, I was a little frustrated that I thought I could have caught her. Uh, but, you know, we were at that point, I was pouring out whatever I had left and kind of leaving it all on the track. So... So you step off the track after your last races as a collegiate athlete. Um, what kind of emotions were you feeling? Did, did you kind of look at it as the end or did you expect to continue running after? Like what, what were your immediate thoughts there? Yeah, I was so relieved that I didn't fall <laughs> and that uh, we had gotten some points for the team. So I was really eager to kind of figure out what um, – I was really excited to kind of figure out where we we're going to place as a team. Uh, I did. Did I, was it that me? Oh God. Yeah. I got drug tested. Yeah. So getting drug tested was tough. I, I did not like 
you got to be in a good place to to get drug tested. You know, they, they they that means you did well and you placed high and you're. Um, yeah, it took me forever. Those things are so hard. They watch you pee. <laughs> like they yeah. they watch you. Like no, who can do that? Who can do that? Yeah, it was it was weird to have to go from like, hey, I finally did this. This is my senior year. To like, yeah, all right, here I'll show you. Um, yeah. <laughs> Like, I got nothing to hide, but man, this is awkward. And I would uh, prefer not to do that again. Um, but yeah, just getting to see my family was there. Like, everyone afterwards was so supportive. And it was so nice to finally, like, get there. I think Corey remembers how long it took me to get through that drug test, man. That was way too long. I remember he's like, we're, we're all going to have to go eat. And you're just going to have to be here and finish this drug <laughs> test. I hope you can finish. <laughs> Oh yeah, that yeah. was that was Corey's orders to make sure we brought up the drug test. So I was hoping that you would bring it up on your own. So I had to Zoom chat you to make sure you did it. Well, because I, I had I thought I got drug tested at an earlier meet at an earlier national meet, the one that I I thought it was at a prelim even, and so that's what I was trying to make sure I wasn't remembering the wrong the wrong one. That 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 one was yes, it took forever. He was not happy and. Well, when you're an eight-time All-American, I think you kind of you get confused with which which one was the drug test one. <laughs> maybe, maybe I got a little delirious after a couple of those races. The uh, I don't know what they called it. Um, they said I had an alter ego after most races for about the next thirty minutes, so I was pretty out of it, uh, like loopy-wise. So I, they it was it was fun to say I had an alter ego because. She, she did not have a space bubble. She was in your face saying, good job. Can't wait to hug everyone. Um, and I'm, I'm a pretty like nice outgoing person in general, but, um, that was a whole new level of like no space. And, and so, yeah, that the post post race was always pretty interesting for most of the people in my, in my support circle. Yeah, for sure. So what were your immediate steps after college? You moved to Texas. Ooh, actually, I went off grid for a little bit. Um, okay. I didn't know you could do a job in ornithology so mm, or yeah. study of birds. Um, I was really interested in that, and field work was where I wanted to be. So I moved to California and did six months in Yosemite National Park bird banding. Um, it was the most incredible experience. I loved it. Um, it's really hard to get used to people who don't, work as a team if that makes sense we were a team out there in the forest trying to hike in and hike out of places and people that i got really frustrated with people who didn't want to pull their own weight um and so that and the fact that you have to kind of search for a new job every six months because the birds leave um left me wanting a more secure position and so i moved to texas um after that the job market was really good um guy was dating at the time was really excited about getting a coaching job at Trinity. He's a really great coach, but, um, you know, I volunteered there my first year in Texas, which was about 2000, end of August, 2010. And then I decided to get a, a job at a specialty running store. So after that, it was really, really fun. Were you continuing to train at all or had, did you feel like you would kind of close that chapter? Yeah, I, I think, um, I think, my heart still wanted to train, but my, my mind and my body were kind of at odds with like being able to, um, keep training. 
um, I felt a lot of pressure and I, I don't think I ever really ran well under that type of pressure to have these expectations of like, Hey, you're good now. So you have to do this. Um, I really liked being an underdog. I really liked kind of not being known. And so having that was really hard mentally. And I had just poured so much into that decision to keep running through college and it felt like I needed a break. So that time in California gave me the chance to kind of experience what that was like. Um, and I, I did try to keep running. I did try to do a few, uh, like road mile races. Like I had a really decent road mile race, um, kind of that next spring, but it, I was getting beat up. I was banged up. I wasn't making it happen. So it, it was, it was a good decision for me to take a break. Um, I love coaching and I did not know that until I kind of got outside of the world of my, my running, if that makes sense. So how would you classify your college experience then? Would you say it's the glory days? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nailed Love it. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Nailed it. I'm so glad you guys had me on so you guys could do exactly that. <laughs> Stu's been waiting for that for the last 45 minutes. Yeah. And I'm happy with it. I'm so glad. <laughs> So when you came to DePaul, um, we can get into your coaching here in a second, but kind of wrapping up your DePaul career, did you ever imagine that you would, you know, walk away with seven school records and an eight-time All-American? No, I just wanted that 800 record. I thought, I thought if I had a really good career that I could get that 800 record. That's one of the reasons I, I was really excited to look at DePaul was because I thought, oh, I might be able to get that if I have a good, good, good four years there. Um, yeah, the, the, everything else was just, you know, a result of so many people helping me and so much support from Corey that, um, and, and the people that were like helping me get to that point, um, made a big difference and yeah, yeah, it was pretty special. I, I appreciate, um, the opportunity to talk about it and <laughs> the glory days. That was so good. So I, I think listening to you talk about how like team focused and team oriented you were really that your transition into coaching makes a lot of sense. Um, talk about, talk about what coaching means to you now and kind of, you know, what it means yeah. to you now. Yeah. 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 It was uh, getting the chance to kind of coach at the running store. Um, Give me a chance to coach people who'd never run before um, and watching their success coming from, you know, the literal couch to 5k programs was incredible. Um, and I also found a huge passion for, um, form and kind of gait analysis, that type of stuff. Um, and like seeing how much it helped, uh, with the groups that I was coaching that were so beginner, I thought, man, if I can do this with beginner kids, like what can I do with an actual college team? Um, if I have some of this biomechanic background and if I have some of this passion for making sure they're in the right shoes and that whole world, um, can I bring something different to the coaching world that like some coaches can't cause they've never looked at a running shoe outside of like what goes on their feet. Um, and then the biomechanics, I thought, you know, Hey, this would be really cool to get more involved in. Um, so I've loved it. I, I, while I was at the running store, I actually was not coaching at Trinity. I was taking a break for about five years. And so I kind of came back in as a almost like 
hey, can I help and practice some of my form and gate stuff with your team? Um, and I had some really good results for it. So when the assistant coaching position opened, um, I kind of jumped at the chance to apply and was really happy um, when I got selected for it. So it's, it's been a, a very big journey of learning how to be confident, of learning how to talk to people. I uh, can't say this podcast proves that I've grown in that area at all, but I've tried really hard. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the first day at the running store, I couldn't even answer the phone. So um, it's been really helpful to um, have that experience first. I think that helped me grow in a lot of the right areas to make me a better coach. Um, yeah. And so I've loved it. Um, the team is awesome. I feel privileged to coach the kids I do because they really just let me worry about, um, you know, how to be the best coach versus like, I think some of the life things that I put on Corey or life things that I put on my team, um, what I was going through in college was, was tough. And, and I, you know, I don't always see that from my team. They're a little more put together than I think I was as a student athlete. So it's, I, I feel very, very blessed to coach them and, and really excited to kind of get the chance to, to go at this sport when it's something that's you're, I feel like you're either in it for a very long time or you kind of just have that little blip of, Hey, I was a coach once and, and now what do I do? Um, so I'm trying to, trying to make it my goal to stay in it as long as I can. And, and, and Corey's a great influence on that. Does your team know how good you were? Uh, that's a great question. Um, second question, second question. Do they realize the rivalry between you and Emily? Yes. Yes. So, uh, my maiden name is Reich. My married name is Leffler. So Emily Leffler is all over the record books at Trinity. So it's very confusing for most people to see that, uh, she is Emily Leffler, now Dom, and I'm Lauren Reich. Now, Leffler, it's, I married her cousin. Uh, he's real cute and a great guy, and I love him very much. Um, but yeah, we, we confuse the heck out of recruits. Um, they, some, some have done their research and kind of asked, they're like, did you do the steeplechase or did she do the steeplechase? Um, and uh, I'm very grateful I never Don't had to do Don't talk about the steeplechase. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not as bad as it was. Uh, now I can coach it, actually. Um, yeah, but yeah, so they know how deep that rivalry goes because Sham has a few uh, opinions about um, that that conference meet that I won that freshman year. I may have been in some ill-fitting buns and she did not have the best view of <laughs> all that was going on up those hills. So um, it, yeah, I have my All-American trophies in my office um, and people ask what those are all the time and I'm like, I once I once I left school I realized how quickly like a All-Americans doesn't like the first question I got at the running store was how many marathons have you done and when I said none I felt crushed that I, like I was like I have All-Americans they're like good for you um so yeah. it's funny how fast that translates out of your repertoire of like oh I was good once like um yeah yeah for for me at least that's how it goes uh yeah yeah, I got the marathon thing at the running store where I worked all the time. It was all the time. never never ending. Um, no. So as we start to wrap things up, um, you know, what what values did you really take away from an athlete and specific to Division Three, and and I guess how does 
how does that impact you now as a division three coach? Yeah, values I take away from division three is just the opportunity to focus on um, your growth as an athlete and kind of at the time frame or at the, at the, at the pace that you kind of need it to be. I think that if I had gone to a different division, um, I might've had the chance to maybe be faster sooner. Um, but I also don't think that I would have been able to maintain what I did at DePauw um, as well. I think I would have uh, felt the pressure a lot differently. And I think I would have been, I don't know, more in my own head. Um, whereas at DePauw, I felt like I had the chance to develop and grow. Um, and it wasn't so much like, hey, how fast can we get you? Um, and again, I don't have an experience at a different division, but I know that uh, for what I experienced at DePauw, it felt like I was really supported. I was really um, mentored into how to grow. Uh, and I, I think a lot of that was coming from me putting in that work too. Like it wasn't just Corey thought I was gonna be fast and so he started talking to me more. I think I was in his office almost daily. I, as a coach now, I don't know how he got any work done because I was in there so often talking to him for hours. And um, I think that made a big difference, his mentorship and like being willing to listen, being willing to work with me towards my goals um, and also balance that out with our team successes was was really important in how to balance being a good team player and, um, you know, wanting big goals for yourself. And I'm trying to translate that into coaching um, at the Division three level. Um, I think the hardest part was learning how not to say, well, when I was doing this, you know, this is how I did it. Um, you have to be able to relate and say, this is what I think you can do as an athlete. And this is how I can get you there um, instead. And that has been really eye opening because um, when you're, when you're, when you have a few awards and, and you have a few quick times, people are usually willing to just kind of like glaze over um, whether your advice is good or not um, because they just assume it's good because you're fast. And so I took that to heart immediately in coaching and was trying very hard to make sure that I wasn't saying something that was going to go get someone hurt or go get someone in a bad situation because they just trusted me because I had fast times. Um, so that was one of the things that it taught me was if you get true mentorship that you should really enjoy it and, and be grateful for it. Wow. I don't know if we can follow that up. Um, so I think that's a great place to wrap. Um, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. We talked for well over an hour, which felt like 20 minutes. So thank you for reminiscing on your glory days and talking to Pa. It's always great to you know, hear from fellow alums and fellow coaches of the Division Three level. So we thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, Lauren. Hi guys that was episode 14 thanks so much to lauren for joining us we really enjoyed the conversation if you did too please subscribe to the podcast leave us a rating and a review helps us grow we'd really appreciate it as a reminder join our group on strava and join us on may 7th for the d3 glory days 5k road race until then here's to the glory days